Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Joe, and each week I will be bringing you a combination of interviews and solo episodes with industry leaders in finance, entrepreneurship, and women in business. As a former certified financial planner turned financial coach and entrepreneur, I will be sharing my knowledge on how to have better conversations about money within your marriage, relationships, and family dynamics. I will also be teaching fundamental financial literacy about all of the topics that you wish you learned in school. This podcast will get you to think outside the box, create more abundance in your life, and improve your money mindset. So make sure to follow and tune in weekly, and it would mean the world to me if you shared these episodes with a friend and left me a five-star review. Hey guys, just a quick disclaimer, as this is a technical episode, the content of this episode and all of my Sandra Joe's social media is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained on any of my platforms constitutes as a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by myself or any other third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or any other financial instruments in this or any other jurisdiction. You should always consider your own personal circumstances before making any investments or financial changes. Alrighty, enough with the fun stuff. Let's dive in. Welcome back for another episode of the Make That Money Honey podcast. I have the absolute pleasure of introducing Tammy Trenta. As founder and CEO of Family Financial, she empowers families and business owners to keep more of what they earn, preserving and growing their wealth. She takes a holistic 360 degree approach to wealth and financial management, integrating financial, tax, and legal guidance to deliver optimal outcomes and achieve her clients' financial goals while often saving them time and money. Thank you so much for joining me today, Tammy. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thanks, Sandra. I'm excited to be here. So I see you're wearing some bright colors. You're down in Los Angeles. So thank you for joining me. We're both on the West Coast today. And what I am so excited to chat to you about is first, you've got the same and more level of education as me. And so I cannot wait to dive into some of these technical questions with you. You do have a master's of business in finance, a certified financial planner. You're a certified tax coach and an enrolled agent. So we're going to talk about some technical things today for our listeners. But before we get started, I would love to just get to know you a little bit and some of the life experiences that you have had in the past that have brought you to being a business owner and where you are today. Sure. Um, I, I grew up on the East Coast in New Jersey, and I had a pretty middle class upbringing, maybe upper middle class. And went to college just like a lot of us do. And when when I was a freshman in college, my parents got divorced and the real estate market crashed. My dad was a real estate broker and my mother was a agent. And they both basically went bankrupt and lost all of their money. And so I got a call from my dad saying that I had to, that he was taking money out of my college funds so that he could pay lawyers basically. And so I was kind of forced at a young age to figure things out for myself. Like, how am I going to continue to attend school? Um, and so I, I got a job. I worked as a waitress and took classes in the summer and figured out how to support myself. Um, 
I figured out how to support myself. So when I graduated, I, you know, I'd always intended to pursue law. I always envisioned myself becoming a lawyer and practicing law. And everyone I knew at the time hated their careers in law. So I thought, well, if my education is on my dime, I should probably get out there and see what it is that I enjoy doing. And so, you know, one of my first jobs was at a financial services firm here in Los Angeles, and it was really illuminating. It was it was exciting. Uh, it was a large uh, brokerage firm. They were there were probably a hundred advisors there. It was a young energy and the stock market. It moves every day, and it's kind of exciting. And and you know, it was at that point where I thought to myself, well, maybe. Maybe I don't want to pursue law school. Maybe this is a career that I could learn because I don't want what happened to my parents happening to me. So maybe I should learn as much as I can about finance um, and the benefit is I get to help other people. And so that was sort of a, a defining moment in my career where I, I went back and per, uh, I pursued my MBA and got a degree in finance. Um, at the same time, I also pursued my certified financial planning designation. So I got that license and I've been practicing ever since. So it's going on 26 years and I love what I do. I, I always tell clients that I would I would do it for free if I didn't need to earn a living, but I, I really want to help people make well-informed financial decisions. I'm surprised that so many people don't. And, you know, I feel like it's because of how how the financial industry, you know, at least in America is structured, um, that people don't have access to objective, holistic advice. Yeah. And you touched on a couple really good points there. It's, I, firstly, I'd like to just congratulate you for really taking the initiative when that did happen to your family to say, I'm not, I don't want to put myself in that position ever again, because whether that happens to you, you know, when you're in, as a child in childhood or in, as a teenager or in university, in your case, it leaves a lasting impact on us and it leaves a psychological trauma where, mm -hmm. you know, we, this unexpected thing occurs and we just decide to say, nope, I'm not letting that happen to me or my family ever again. And you pivoted from law to finance to essentially set yourself up, not maybe not knowing that you were then going to have an impact on so many other people's lives. And I completely agree. The second point is that I completely agree with not enough people have access to or trust in getting holistic advice. And that was one thing that I was really passionate about when I was working as a financial planner was really acting in the client's best interest. Yes. And, and I know that that is something based on uh, our show notes and, and your bio, that that is something that you are definitely passionate about. Now in Australia and Canada, which is where my background is, is primarily centered around, we have different standards, as you mentioned, than the U.S. I would love for you to touch on what 
in the U.S. is is one of the decision factors that people are forced to make or, or some of the things that they don't even necessarily know that they need to make when choosing to work with a financial professional? Sure. Well, I, I think when someone, the most obvious example is that, you know, you have someone who's got some extra money, they go into the bank and they, let's say they want to deposit $100,000. And so the banker asks, well, what are you going to do with it? And they don't know. Well, we have this investment person that's sitting right next to us. Why don't you talk to them? And the way 90% of how our industry operates is, is using a broker standard. And when I say broker, that means that it's a transaction. You sell a financial product and in return you receive a commission. And that's very different than how it operates in Australia and Canada, which is the fiduciary standard. So it, it is not easy to find out if your advisor is a broker or a fiduciary. So there's a website that you can go to called brokercheck.com and you can plug in the name of the advisor. And if it says B, they're a broker. If it says IA, then they're a fiduciary. But most people don't know how to go about that. So oftentimes they just go to the bank or they go to a named firm and they hire someone to help them, not really knowing how the advisor gets compensated, not really knowing if the advice is in their best interests or in the best interests of the shareholder uh, of the publicly traded company. And, and so it's a little bit confusing for them. Mm -hmm. And so I would love it. I think our, our country is evolving and it is getting there, but it is not there now. And so I think yeah. that that makes it quite challenging where you see uh, individuals who really need advice more than anyone not getting the best advice as a result. Yeah. Yeah. And you touched on a really good point there because you know, Canada and, and Australia, we're, we're fortunate enough that we have to go through a very comprehensive compliance process when we take on a new client and when we recommend a financial product, we need to look at their goals and objectives, their whole financial picture. It needs to be really holistic advice, you know, their risk assessment and, and all of that. Whereas in a broker model, if let's say they're working for ABC Bank and ABC Bank has ABC mutual funds and ABC life insurance and ABC, you know, um, term deposits and things like that, then if you go into an advisor in ABC Bank and they're recommending their ABC mutual funds and term deposits and mortgages and all of that, of course they're going to recommend those products because it is they are products that are owned by the bank. But if they are someone like yourself, and this is for our listeners so they can understand the differentiation, somebody like yourself who is independent and charges fee for service rather than commission structure, which is how I operated in Australia. I was working for independent financial firms and we charge fee for service. And what that gives the end customer or client is the peace of mind that what you're recommending is not based on any commission that you're going to receive from ABC or XYZ or anyone in between. You're recommending a product based on what is in the best interest of that client 
for where they're at in their life and their financial goals and risk and all of those things. And this is one thing that a lot of clients just don't understand when they, when they are looking for a financial advisor. So that, that said, how did you start family financial and decide to go out on your own from your previous work history? So I've spent most of my career as a financial planner supporting financial advisors. And throughout my career, I discovered that I I felt that I was adding a lot of value to the relationships. Oftentimes, I was the one who, I was the deciding factor of clients signing up or deciding to become a client of the firm. And it, it, I think it just got to a point where I needed to spread my wings. And so I decided to become an advisor. That was a little scary for me because I I didn't see myself as a salesperson. I saw myself more as a, an advisor, uh, someone, a consultant, understanding somebody's entire situation and then making recommendations based on what their needs were and finding the best strategy for them. And being a salesperson just feels different. And so surprisingly, I was successful in in shifting to be, I think, more business development oriented, but I never wanted it to be salesy because everyone's got this perception of a salesperson and they're just wanting to get you to do something that maybe you don't want to do. And the way that I see it is this is what I do. Um, It's not for everybody, but if somebody does have a need, we need to talk and figure out if we're a good fit for one another. So I've been an advisor now for seven years. And as I mentioned before, you can go from one firm to another in the hopes that there is a a belief in putting the client's interests first. And, you know, there's always a point where I felt conflicted. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that there is not a firm that is going to do things the way that I feel that they should be done, the way that Mm -hmm. I want the client experience to be. And the only way to really do it is to do it on my own. And and that was a huge decision. It took me a year and talking with my family and looking at what's the best thing that can happen and what's the worst thing that can happen. But, um, you know, I, I was able to make that transition and it, it feels very natural and organic to the point where I wish I would have done it sooner. Yeah. But yes, that's that was <laughs> how it came about. Yeah, I, I love that you're touching on the client's best interest because this was, to be honest, an ethical cl- conflict that I had when I was working in financial planning because there was a part of me that was driven towards hitting my KPIs of bringing on new clients a certain number of funds under advice or funds under management. And I was, I felt like that real salesy um, pressure was put on me. And, and sometimes these clients just didn't actually need advice. You know, they needed more of what I do now, which is coaching. 
Yes. Right. But they didn't yes. need, they didn't need product advice. They needed, right. how, they needed to learn how to have better conversations about in their, in their marriage about money, mm-hmm. you know, or something mm-hmm. like that, or, or how to save money better or working on their spending habits and stuff. And there was this internal conflict with that. I was like, well, this client can afford the advice, but they really don't need it. But then I was driven to make the sale by my boss who was paying my paycheck, right? And and there is a lot of that in this industry. And I think that that's why financial planning and financial advice has gotten such a bad reputation in the past is because financial planners and financial advisors, and I, I don't know about the US, but we call them the same thing here. It's it's synonymous. Is, yes. there, is there a difference down there? No. And it's another one of my frustrations where a financial advisor could be an insurance salesperson, a financial advisor could be a mutual fund salesperson, and it becomes ambiguous. Right. Okay. Yeah. So in Canada, financial planner, financial advisor means the same thing. Some some firms say both. But um, uh, yeah, so coming back to that is, you know, do these clients actually need advice? And then the ethics behind it is, if they do, then what's in their best interest? Right. And, and this is what I love about what you've said. And, and kudos to you for going out on your own, because that's a really scary thing in this industry, especially with the level of compliance that exists. What are some of the sort of challenges that you faced at the start when you first started your business? I would love to know um, as a fellow business owner. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, The idea of it felt very overwhelming at first. And so if you are a business owner or you've ever started a business, you're the janitor, you're the operations person, you're the advisor, you're doing everything. And I knew that if I was, if I was going to take this step that I needed a team and I needed a team to round out the things that maybe I'm not great at. And I, what was important to me is that I was able to focus on clients and not on running the business. So I brought on a, a chief operating officer. So he helps manage the staff. Um, and I brought on a, a CPA who prepares tax returns and handles the business management group. So, you know, I collaborate a lot with my team, but I'm not doing it all on my own. So, you know, I would, I guess my advice would be whatever your strength is, recognize where your weaknesses are and try to round out your team with Mm. the things that maybe you are not good at or you're not passionate about. Oh, that's such great advice. That was exactly what I did last year. (laughs) I did not realize that I needed to know all this technical stuff and I ended up hiring a team and it made my life so much easier. So yeah, that is very, very good advice. So let's jump into a little bit about the work that you do with your type, your client base. What would you say is the uh, sort of like an example of somebody that you work with and what you do for them and, and sort of the journey that your firm takes them on? So I... I can give an example of one of the clients that I work with. He came to me maybe three or four years ago, and I looked at his financial situation. He's a business owner. He was spending all of his money in insurance premiums, 
he was unmarried, didn't have kids, and all of his savings was going into insurance policies. And so I sat down with him and we did a financial plan, looked at where the money was going and from his business. The other thing he was doing is he was, instead of saving into like liquid type of investments, he was funding a lot of private deals, um, which as you know, has a high likelihood of not working out. Sometimes it does. And when it does, it, it hits big. But And so we had a conversation just about how to grow wealth. Um, and he went away after we did that. And he came back a year later and he said, okay, I had to get myself out of this hole, but I think I'm ready. And so I helped him get out of the insurance products. We started an investment account. Um, I helped him consolidate his uh, debts and I helped him to create a retirement plan for his business to cover both his employees and himself. And I restructured his entities so that he can capture more of what he earns. Um, he supports his mother, he supports his brother, he supports his dad. And so it's one of these unique, maybe not unique, but seems like a unique situation where one son is supporting the whole family unit. And he is doing great now. Um, he's on track. He's saving every month. We do his financial plan. He is, he, he understood the value of hiring out. Um, and then in recently, in the last year, we have brought in, because I offer the business management, which is bookkeeping and bill pay and tax preparation and payroll, that was a little bit clunky when we were working together because if you know there was a 401k deferral, somebody had to be in charge of that and I'd have to be on with payroll. And so I'm managing a lot of pieces. So uh, at the end of the year, I said, you know, one thing that would really dramatically change your situation is if you just consolidated it. You know, there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen. If we had one team doing it all, you'll have a lot less headaches, a lot less trying to be the point person for all these different yeah. um, professionals, and it will go a lot more smoothly. So that's one example of how we can take someone who's just not even sure where to go and put them on a path and manage all of those parts. Yeah, that was a great example because I actually worked with uh, similar clients in Australia that... Uh, it, I find it's a really common thing in financial planning where people have way too much insurance. And this comes back to our original discussion about, about looking at, you know, broker versus fiduciary, because with insurance, it always pays a commission. And that's the last commission-based industry apart from mortgage broking in Canada. And so insurance advisors will often sell way more insurance to a client than they actually require because it it's in their best interest because they get the commission as a result, right? So that's fantastic that you were able to identify that, you know, if he doesn't even have beneficiaries apart from, it sounds like his, his family, but he doesn't have children, he doesn't have a dependent spouse or anything like that, that 
would need to benefit from a life insurance policy or an income protection policy or anything like that. So, um, and, and not only that, but the diversification when it comes to investments and having a ton of money or a significant amount of your wealth sitting in private equity investments, which are so risky. And like you said, if they take off, great, but you might only be in one or two or three of these. And the bankruptcy level on these projects is often very, very high. And that was something we had a lot of clients in Australia in, or, or, you know, when they come to us, they were like, oh, I bought into some property development company that does residential high rises or something. And then the funding would get cut for the project and they'd lose their whole investment. So a lot of people just don't know what they don't know until they actually speak to a financial professional and learn about the importance of asset diversification, figuring out how much actual, you know, insurance cover they need. Maybe they're underinsured in some cases. So I love that you gave that example because that is such a true representation of what holistic advice really is. The tax planning side, the insurance side, the investment side, and it sounds like he's on the right track with his savings plan now. So um, yeah, I, I love that you you touched on that. So in terms of the advice that you're office delivers? Because I know that you did mention you do financial tax and legal. How does that all work within your within your company? Well, it's a little bit tricky because unless you are a lawyer, you can't own a law firm and you can't draft legal documents. So um, what we can do is create um, a process by which we gather all of the information needed to do an estate plan. And then I have uh, a number of attorneys that I work with that I'll, I'll send the information to. So they're actually paying the attorney to do the work, but we, we work with them, they work with us, and we supply all of that information to have it executed. They involve us in the process, which is also really important um, just to make sure, you know, the I think the the biggest challenge with doing estate planning is sometimes I would say more often than not there's something that gets missed and that that could be that they did the estate plan but they didn't retitle their assets properly they didn't name their beneficiaries of their retirement plan properly um there might be a mistake or it hasn't been updated in a while um, you know, I used to work at a major bank in the trust and estate department, so I've read hundreds of trust documents, and I can always find things that, you know, maybe need to be updated or need to be improved upon. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good point because I know, particularly with blended families, this becomes incredibly important, and blended families are almost becoming the norm now. It's not, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's got to be over fifty percent. And when it comes to estate planning, the importance of reviewing those documents regularly so that if you pass away, your life savings is not going to go to an ex-partner or ex-spouse or something like that. Um, you know, really being aware of who your beneficiaries are and if those change over time. And if so, are all of the different documents updated <laughs> to reflect that? It's a yeah. huge thing. 
Well, and, and it, I'm not sure how it works in Australia and in, in Canada, but it's another industry where estate planning is like a one-time thing. You get it done, you pay money, and then you don't really think about it after you've already done it. So having a financial advisor review it periodically, especially if there's changes in tax law, you want somebody to be on top of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and yeah, you're right. When it comes to creating a will or powers of attorney, those things can definitely change. So So reviewing all circumstances, I think, is something that should be happening regularly, regardless of if you have a financial planner or not, you know, just being aware of what your position is. And, and as family changes come up, the, the triggers that I like to use for when people would need to see um, either an attorney or a financial planner for the first time would be, you know, approaching a large financial milestone coming into an inheritance or the sale of a business and and all of a sudden having a big chunk of cash coming in that they might not have previously anticipated, uh, change in marital status or change in family dynamics, having you know full custody of children or something like that. So these are all reasons that people would, uh, they are some of the reasons that people would come to a financial planner. But in terms of your business, how would you say are some of the ways that your clients find you typically? Almost always on a referral, either from an existing client or an outside professional. Yeah, yeah. Referral. I think in general, the financial industry is such a referral based business. Um, and that being said, if you are listening and you are and you do have a financial planner or or something, you should always re- um, refer them to your friends because it is a trust based industry, and there are so many people that don't operate with trust and integrity and ethics in our industry that it can be very challenging to find somebody that does operate that way and that has that level of care for their clients. Really, um, when it comes to your client's holistic approach, how do you sort of differentiate yourself from other firms? What, what's one of the unique things that you that your office does? Well, I think that one area that is underserved is business owners. Um, I think that in my career, I found very few advisors that actually work exclusively with business owners. Most advisors work with personal clients that maybe happen to be a business owner. And the business owner is a different animal. They aren't receiving uh, an income from an employer. They are the employer. And so the success of their business integrates with the success of their personal life. And if they're not making the best decisions for their business, then they're compromising their own financial independence. Um, another thing is a lot of times business owners reinvest in their business. They reinvest in their business and they're not paying themselves. And so it's striking that balance between helping them create more personal wealth, helping them to keep more of what they earn. So that's definitely one differentiator. And so if you siphon off a business owner, you know, we have clients that are not business owners as well that we can work with. 
but that's a big differentiator. And when you are a business owner, I think you want someone who gets you, who has some life experience, who maybe has had a business before, because they share a perspective that maybe someone who's never been self-employed does not. Um, Also, business owners are very busy working on their business. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the investments and all those other ancillary things sometimes lose focus because they're focused on running their business. And so it's really nice to have a team that rounds out what they're doing, helping them to make sure that they can continue to focus on their business and they've got people who can help support them um, in growing their wealth. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point because business owners, and this is something I learned in the last two years was, you know, business owners are, as you mentioned, we're the janitor and the CEO. And if we don't have somebody in our corner, that is our sounding board for the big financial decisions that we have to make in our life and in our business, it does have a ripple effect into every area of our life. It's not just about tax planning. It's not just about sales. It's all encompassing. And then looking at, okay, now that you are paying yourself, what do you then do with your money? Right. So that it's Mm -hmm. all tied in together. And as for business owners, having that, professional opinion from somebody who, as you mentioned, it is their area of expertise so that they can spend more of their time and energy building their own business. It might be an air conditioning company, for example, you know, they might not know anything about finance, but they might have a huge booming business. And the importance of hiring professionals to not only save you money on tax and costly mistakes that you might be making in your business, but also giving you information on how to do things better will save you thousands and thousands of dollars in the long run. And the problem is, is that people get fixated on the professional fee and they go, oh, it's call it $5,000. Oh, it's $5,000. It's going to cost me this much. But if a $5,000 investment ends up earning you $100,000 extra in a year, like you'd be crazy not to spend that. And that's that awareness piece that I think a lot of people get stuck in is they go, oh, I can't afford to work with a financial planner or a financial advisor. I can't afford to work with a financial coach or, you know, one of these professionals, not realizing that when they actually do step into that and they decide to invest in themselves or their business, the return on investment of that level of knowledge is always astronomically larger than mm-hmm. than what they've paid in fees. Well, and you bring up a good point. It seems like with business owners, they're used to hiring people to do jobs that they're not going to do themselves. And so it's a much easier decision. And it's a decision of cost versus value. Um, Nobody wants to pay for something where they're not getting value, but it's, it seems easier for business owners to make that decision because they know that if they don't do it, it's going to cost them more. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I agree. And there's definitely an opportunity cost in not having an advisor. Now, not everybody needs an advisor. Um, I mean, 
even if you're getting started, it's nice to have. But if you feel like you're not quite there yet, there's so many things that you could do. And, you know, with coaching, it's Mm -hmm. nice to be able to guide them on that path until they feel like they're ready. I mean, I I would say for, for our clients, I think you reach a point in life where it just starts to get complicated, right? You have kids, you've got the house, you've got all kinds of things coming at you, plus your work. You know, most people are dual income families today and you're just trying to make it. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that's a really good time to consider having an advisor. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This has been such a fantastic interview. Uh, Where can people connect with you if they want to learn more about what you do in your business? And also, do you work with people from, like, I know you're based in LA. Do you work with people in all different states or uh, how how does that work? Yes, I have clients all over the country. And so, yeah, I do. And um, the website that you can reach me at I mean, I'm, I'm on social media, but uh, the web address is familyfinancial.biz. Great. Yeah. And we'll put that in the show notes. And then we've also got your LinkedIn here, which will connect as well. So you can connect with Tammy on LinkedIn, Tammy Trenta. And this has, this has been so great because I love hearing from other female entrepreneurs, especially in the financial space who are doing amazing things. And I just love your story about how you made a decision to never put yourself or your family in financial pain and stress again after that happened to you in university. So I just have to say that, you know, I I am very um, grateful to have you on the show today and for the knowledge that you've shared. We will connect Tammy with you in the show notes for anybody that does want to connect. But if there's anything else that you have for our listeners, any piece of advice that you can think of for somebody that's maybe sitting on the fence of should they, should they connect with either a financial coach or financial planner and and what that looks like? Sure. Well, the, the first thing I will say is make sure that if you are exploring it, it's really important that you talk with a fiduciary. Otherwise you'll feel like you're being sold to. And the second thing is if you, if you have a well-established financial advisor that you're having a conversation with, you're going to know if they're a fit for you or not. Mm-hmm. And if they don't feel like they're a fit, then find someone who gets you. Um, because I think, and as you know, Sandra, relationships are a two-way street. And so, you know, as much as we want to help people, we also want people who are, are, a good fit for us. It's almost like a marriage. It's a long-term relationship. You put the time in, there's a lot of time and effort spent up front and you want that relationship to be successful. So, you know, it's an area where I think you sometimes need to trust your gut, but do your homework. And, you know, hopefully if it feels right, you can continue to work with them. And if it, if it doesn't, don't give up. I'm sure there's someone out there Mm who can help you that, that understands you. But I think that's probably the most important piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And interview a few of them if you have to, you know, a lot of, a lot of firms will do like a free consultation or something like that and, and go with your gut instinct of who you resonate most with. I think that's really important. 
Thank you so much for this interview today, Tammy. I really look forward to seeing what uh, you're going to continue to achieve in your business. And uh, thank you for sharing all of that wonderful advice with us. Thanks, Sandra. Have a great evening. Thanks for listening. And if you love this episode, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at sandra.m.joe. I would be forever grateful if you left me a five-star review and sent it to a friend so that I can reach as many people as possible. For more information on my financial coaching and how we can work together, check out my website at sandrajoe.com. And until next time, have a great day and go make that money, honey. 